podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. So the final score from Tynecastle, what hearts to Celtic 1 and Postacoglu's uh, league campaign gets off to the worst possible start uh, through in Edinburgh. This is Tino from the Celtic Exchange. Tonight I'm joined by James. James, what was your take on tonight's game? Um, lack of conviction maybe. You know, they, they had all the possessions, 74% that translated into 19 goal attempts. Hearts had 26% that translated into 11 and two of those were obviously scored to our one. Uh, there's, there's stuff happening. You can see there's... there's positive elements of the, the play coming through but we're in a results business and we didn't get the result a terrible start that's it you know that's the only start that matters cliche and all that stuff is the one that says 2-1 uh, at the top so we'll run through the team first of all um, Bain and goals wowee we'll get to him uh, Bain and goals Ralston Beaton Starfelt and Greg Taylor midfield three of Sorrow David Turnbull Callum McGregor up top Abada Edward and Forrest makes his first start in quite a while um, any surprises with the starting lineup? For the starting ahead of Christie for me, um, I thought he was woeful the other night. I thought he had, uh, as I said on Wednesday. Um, Christie would have been the, the selection for me. Uh, other than that, Beaton sounds like a surprise, but the manager pretty much uh, signposted it. So we kind of thought that was going to happen anyway. Yeah, so Beaton comes in and both Welsh and Murray, Murray drop out. Um, what do you think of that right move? Yeah, I mean, they, they had a poor game the other night. Ah, you just got to be careful, young boys, and their confidence that you know they, they don't end up seconding them. Um, so maybe a, a wee rest wasn't a bad idea. An experienced guy like Beaton should have been able to do his job there. And you know, by and large, they didn't have too much to do. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with the boys dropping out for Beaton coming in. But yeah. you know, it, it still tells us we're a centre half shot. It does. It also sends a signal to the board to say you cannot get by with these young guys yeah. and. You know, clearly Ange isn't happy with what he's having to pick from. And even though, excuse me, there were some more options today with Starfelt coming in and uh, Kyogo on the bench, we're still way, way short. And if Greg Taylor's starting games for you and Scott Bain's starting games for you, then you're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. Starfelt, um, very mixed game for me. Looked, uh, you know, at fault for the first goal, which we'll get to in a minute. Some good stuff and some not so good stuff. What was your overall impression of his debut? Uh, going to give him a pass. I wasn't impressed, but he was left-hand side of the, the, the centre-half pairing because Beaton absolutely can't play left-hand side, it seems. Uh, and he's a right-sided guy. So I can't really judge him until he's playing with a left-sided centre-half. Uh, it was spotty. There's some stuff he did, you know, just nice tidy up, win the ball, distribute the ball, and that's all he's there to do. He, he showed he can do that. There was some other stuff that just showed lack of confidence, maybe. You know, playing in a new team, new teammates, new formations. So... Remains to be seen. Uh, he certainly hasn't blown us away. No, he certainly has not. But I think I agree with that. I think he showed some tidy stuff, some decent pace, some decent strength. But ultimately, also, at least on tonight's show, and looked like he had a mistake in him. So I'll, I'll take it forward to the goal. So eighth minute, give or take. Pretty shambolic all round. So what I'm seeing in the way I felt in the first half is that every time we are under pressure defensively, every time the other team's on the attack, I just feel there's gaps. Teams it's are just playing, playing down the sides of us. 
Actually, the goal came from McGregor being cheap in possession. He seemed to be in control of the ball. He diffs it, bump, bump down the right-hand side. And Starfelt is involved there. He seems, for me, when he comes across to sweep up, he could have been stronger on the challenge. What was your take on that part? Certain halves, when they're defending that kind of position, they know what to do. Clear the ball, throw in, nothing fancy. He just gets that all wrong and straight away he's under all sorts of pressure. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time he gets into the box, people are afraid to tackle. Beaton yeah. doesn't want to go to ground. It spills about. I think Starfelt gets another bite at it. Spins off to our old pal, Gary McKay, Stephen, just to tap it in the net. There's, you know, easiest goal he'll score. Um, and just, you know, as I say, eight minutes into your league campaign and you're playing catch-up and it took them a wee time just to shake that off, didn't it? It did. You could see it was, you know, it hit them. Um, you know, they just didn't seem to reset and teams need to be able to, you know, have that individually and collectively. Hit the reset button. We know what we're doing here. Keep to the plan. Yeah. So beyond that, we did start to come into the game and, and certainly, you know, started to get the lion's share of possession. And as you said, you know, huge possession stats. Not that they really matter at the end of the day, but we did take control of the game with a few efforts. I think Eddie had a decent header from a corner. Um, Abada has come in from the right hand side for a couple of good efforts um, I've highlighted David Turnbull who's a guy that I really really like but his season hasn't started yet No I'm the same and I've, I'm have i probably a wee bit guilty of uh, giving him more leeway than I, I would give others, I think he's a, a great talent but he's not showing it um, I don't know what he needs you know, coaching, dropping training, whatever it is it's not happening for him and it's costing us yeah, um, I'd mentioned Abada there, so for me, every time he gets the ball, he certainly looks on his toes, he looks lively, he's keen to get into the box and make things happen. The left-back was struggling, he didn't know whether to stick or twist, and Abada was, you know, causing him all sorts of problems, and whether he was going around the outside or clipping into the box, or there was one he, he played across the box for Turnbull, who had a decent effort, he kind of curled over the top, but for me, Abada's just looking far, far more dangerous than James Forrest is at this stage in time. I mean, that, that that's a tale of two players. You know, you, you see what's happening on the right, you see what's happening on the left. On the left, it's blind alleys and, you know, passing back up the line. And on the right, it's absolute dynamite. You know, he's running at guys. Like you say, that left back, he was terrified of him because he was just thinking, if I tackle this guy, I'm going to foul him. And he's in the box on top of me straight away. Um, you need what Abad is giving you on the right, you need on the left. And James Forrest isn't going to give you. No, I don't think so. Um, what I have noted is that a lot of their efforts are from range, and it harks back to last season. So you know something's not changed there that should be changing. This whole shooting from twenty-five and twenty-seven yards, speculatively, one in a million is going to go in there. Uh, you know, Christian and then can can bring one out the bag. But the percentages are against you there. Why are we forcing the issue rather than trying to play into the feet of Edward or get around the back way with a batter? What, what's the thinking? Is it, is, is it nerves? Are guys getting too excited? You know, there, there's pot shots from all over. McGregor's had one. Soros had a terrible effort and, and various others. What do you think the thinking is behind that? I don't know if it's if it's in the plan. I don't know if Angie's asked them to do that because it doesn't fit with what he's talking about. You know, it's, if he's playing data and percentage ball and all that stuff, then speculative shots aren't going to get you that. I've got a concern that players are doing it because if I get it out from under my feet, then it's not my responsibility anymore. Yeah, there's a wee bit of that going on. So, yeah, definitely a frustrating half overall. But, you know, you get at half-time, you've got a, a lot of possession at that point, and you're, you're obviously concerned that you're 1-0 down. But at that stage, feeling relatively confident that we're going to get back into it. How did you feel yourself at that point in the game? I was OK at half-time. Um, the, the way the, the game was being played showed that, you know, 
we had all the pressure and if you're in your opponent's box that much then goals are going to come so I was quite relaxed at half time that, that things would come good and they came good and went bad yeah so as we get into the second half a uh, few minutes in Tony Ralston with a turns out to be a range finder um, which which kind of got his eye in uh, 48th minute he's had a woeful shot really screwed it high wide and, and not very handsome um, but then not far after I think it was around about the 54th minute he scored a brilliant goal and listen as much as anyone else we've given Tony Ralston a hard time but what I did say after Tuesday night is he's an honest pro he, he is limited no doubt but he gives his tank and actually he'd done the same again tonight and he's you know he was far from the worst there and he got a really good goal so it's a nice ball in Edwards dropped it off to him at that point your right back has got a lot to do he's in the centre of the goals he's still maybe 25 yards out and he's danced around a few goals and produced a really really tidy finish what did you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the last guy you expected to do that and absolute credit to him. You know, as we said after Wednesday night, one thing he gives you is an honest uh, performance every single time. He's never hiding. You know, he's never trying to, you know, shirk out the tackles. He, he's, he's always giving you that. And that, that got him into the deposit position of being able to take it. And just, I mean, it seems such a confident move, you know. Um, yeah, really impressed by it. Great goal. Delighted for him. Yeah, I was pleased for him as well. He's taken a lot of grief, but he's he's just a young guy at the end of the day. And you've seen the emotion in him when he scored. There was yeah. a lot of energy come out there and, and credit to him and fair play. A decent finish and it, it got us right back into the game. Um, a notable moment not long after, <coughs> excuse me, around about 56 minute. Callum McGregor's breaking free. Andy Halliday comes right through his Achilles, catches him in the back of the ankle and Bobby Madden just, Bobby Madden, sorry, just, you know, blows the whistle, play on, nothing to see, sorry, free kick, but nothing to see here in terms of yellow card. Now, no conspiracy conspiracy theories or madness at this point, but those guys, they feature in podcasts together, everything's cool, we're all buddies here. That is a yellow card all day long, and it was right in front of him. Why has that not been given? I asked this question last week. Um, what kind of football do we want to export in Scotland? You know, And if we're allowing guys to chop down guys at their Achilles, then it's not going to be beautiful football and beautiful soccer. You're not going to attract those kind of players because they'll be like, well, I'm not going to go down and get my leg broken. That's a booking all day in every league in the world, apart from if it's Bobby Madden and it's Andy Halliday. Yeah, so I just could not get my head around how that's no yellow. And I don't know if guys like Madden then get assessed by guys after the game, if there's somebody from the SFA that says, let's have a look at your performance. But that, that was blatant. And as I say, Celtic caused their own problems tonight, and I'm not saying that's the reason, but there was a lot of niggly things that didn't go for us but that was, you know, more apparent and we, we just never got it. Anyway, uh, moving on to another decision. 60 minutes, Greg Taylor's finding himself in a good position, cuts it back, Abada tucks it away, offside. I know you've got quite strong opinions on that one. What do you, what did you see? So, it, maybe the listeners can help us out on this one as well. From my reading, if your arm is in an offside position, that doesn't count. It's not active. You can't score with your arm, so it doesn't contribute to being in an offside position. It's from the shoulder line down. If anyone can correct us on that or give us a bit of information, that would be great. But so if Taylor isn't offside with that arm, I mean, Abad is definitely not offside. It's a legitimate goal and it should have stood. Yeah, I think so as well. It was just really frustrating because it was a decent move and you just knew they were desperate to pick the flag up. Uh, and that was it. And Celtic were absolutely in the ascendancy at that point. Yeah. And indeed for the next, I don't know, 15 minutes after that, it was around about 60 minutes. And, and Celtic were very much looking to get that second goal. They were on top. Actually, I thought that 
at that point there was the time to make the changes. Yeah. Get Kyogo a good half hour, get Christian for a decent bit of game time. But Anne held off for whatever reason, he'll know better than us. Um but I just thought that was the time to turn the screw and get fresh legs on. One thing I've got to know, um, and I don't mean to keep hammering, you know, individuals and whatever else. Greg Taylor will never be good enough for Celtic Football Club and it was just consistently poor. He gives it away, he turns back inside, he, he runs into blind alleys. I just can't see what we're getting and I really, really hope and pray that Ange sees that as a priority position as much as right back and as much as goalie. Yeah, I mean, none of them are any more important than the other. They're all absolutely red-hot priorities and we can't be saying well, we'll get the right, right back sorted this window and we'll do the left back next window or vice versa in goalie. All three of those guys need to be signed in the next three weeks. Mm. Um, one other thing, so the defenders that are in place just now, whether it's Starfelt, Beaton, the fullbacks, I think at times it looked like we didn't know how to tackle. Any time any Hearts offensive player got the ball, we looked terrified. We were standing off, we were a few yards away rather than being touch tight and different things. And we just looked so terrified they were going to get in the backies and different things. So actually without making tackles or anything all, all we're doing was jockeying and allowing them mm. very easy opportunities to play around us and I don't know if that's an Ange thing as well if that's directed to say don't dive in stay on your feet you know we'll, we'll crowd them out whatever but you've got to make tackles in your own defensive third and I just thought there was a lack of that even by it should be right up Starfield Street and I just mm. thought him and others they almost look scared to tackle at times yeah it's almost like they don't have confidence in their own ability to, to tackle without fouling um, and that just you know, that, that jockeying if the attacking player can then get a bit of a break and get the ball in, you're putting yourself in all sorts of bother. You need to take your tackles when they're there. Yeah. Uh, 71 minutes, first league game of the season, near Beaton, cramp. Ah, no. What's going on there? Yeah. Um, I didn't even play Wednesday night. He got the night off. You know? <laughs> he was relaxing. I just don't get that. I really don't. So at that point, you see Stephen Welsh warming up and it turns out he never came on. So Beaton, has he played the last 20 minutes with a strain or cramp? Who knows? So, as I say, at that point, Celtic are huffing and puffing, but you're just thinking and hoping that we're going to get the winner. And it did look like that at that point. That looked the most likely uh, scenario. 79th minute, Kyogo and Christie come on for Abada and Turnbull. As I said, I'm really disappointed with Turnbull just now and I'd have far rather um, Abada stayed on and Forrest um, had come off. But that was a change. What impact do you think those two guys had? <sighs> a... Could have had, but didn't have. There was one just right after they came on, and Christy, if he'd more of a right foot, could have pinged it to the back stick for Kyogo, yeah. and he was just it was just sitting there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, defender was quite close to, but I think it got to him. Uh, Christy ended up just having a, a shot himself, and it, it didn't come off. I didn't see an awful lot besides that. Um, bit of effort from both, but maybe it was just too little, too late. Um, I agree. I think when uh, Abara's goal was wrongly chopped offside. Um, they should have been on then. The momentum was there. Their tails were up. Hearts were actually terrified. They were, they were retreating into into their shell and inviting us on them. That was the time to bring them on. So for me, it was too late. As for the personnel, how Forrest get ninety minutes? I will never know. I mean, I'm, I can only guess about us carrying some kind of knock or isn't quite up to full match fitness yet. But the move was Forrest for uh, Kyogo there not a badder yeah I think that was quite clear Kyogo himself I thought and I will give him a pass but I thought he struggled I thought you know it's only 10 minutes or so but maybe you know baptism of fire in at Timecastle no away support and all that stuff it's a tough game to come into and I think it's the kind of game where you maybe need 8, 9, 10 minutes to get together 
he's he's eight nine ten minutes in the, the final whistle blows. So mm. I don't know. I just thought it was strange timing to to bring him in, and I thought either give him more time or not at all. Very hopeful that he's going to be you know a big big player for us. But yeah, nothing great tonight. I'm only to see you know how sharp he is in the coming days. Whether he features on um, Thursday or not, it's a different question. What about Edward? So obviously Edward, he kind of at the moment is the only choice up top. A Yeti, going the same as last season. He's nowhere near it. No. The the gaffer looks to the bench and doesn't trust him. He looks like he's he's becoming the bit part player that we've come to expect. Um, but what about Eddie himself? Uh, better, better than he's been the last couple of games, competitive games, but still not there. You know, it's still a lot of tippy tappy things that don't come off. But there was a couple of really nice touches. You know, he was involved in Ralphson's goal. Um, couple of other bits, you know, just slipping people in. Slipping um, Forrest in for the, the save at the end was, was excellent from Edward, actually. Yeah. Um, so, so there's things like that are starting to come off for him. We know he's a player. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see bits. For me, it, it's the end of the road. I would say as well, though, if we're going to be shipping Eddie out, and we should, what's the point in us keeping a jetty on the bench if he's not going to do anything? You know, sell him and replace him, buy two strikers, sell those two, buy two. Yeah, cash in. You get two, three million for a yeti, you should bite the hand off it. But, yeah. you know, it leaves us with a, a serious shortage in terms of recognised strikers. I agree on Edward as well. I thought, you know, flashes and, and moments of quality that we know he's got, he can't do it for five and ten minutes. So, no. you know, a wait time castle, you've got to produce, you know, for the majority of the game. Um, so, obviously, the sucker punch comes around about the 88th, 89th minute. It's just a free kick. Whether it was a free kick or not, questionable. Soros, you know, had a nibble at Sunday and, you know, Madden doesn't need a second excuse to blow the whistle. And they throw in the free kick. Now, we knew with all the set pieces we were going to be under pressure. We don't have a particularly big team at this moment in time, save for Starfelt and Beaton. The ball comes in, though. John Souter is one of the main targets and nobody's on him. But Mm. I tell you what, Scott Bain was somewhere between the wrong post and Waverley Station he was nowhere near it and actually when it comes across you see that you glanced and you see his shot and you're thinking why is he Aye. leaving such a gap yeah. and Souter's just had to nod it back across and he had no chance based on his positioning what, what is that? What I can't understand is there's a top class goalkeeping coach there in Stevie Woods and you know he's not telling Bain to be anywhere near that position for that ball so what in Bain's head is saying I'll ignore all the coaching great coaching I've been given and I'll just put myself over here because I'll do what I want, kind of thing. Yeah. I just, I, I, as soon as you saw his position, you're thinking any head on that is an open goal, mm-hmm. and as it was. Yeah, I think I've said this in one of the recent shows, but 17-year-old goalie making his way in football would have been better positioned than that. Yeah, he knows his post, he knows his, you know, his distances and where he should be, and he was just all at sea. I, I'll never understand it. And listen, we can go over this until until we get a new goalie, but we just what we've got at the moment is two goalies that are. Not even close to being good enough, unfortunately. And for all the possession and all the being passing it to right back to left back, his job is to keep the ball out of the net. And between him and Barkas, they can't do that. And you know, the way Celtic are looking just now, we're going to concede at least one or two goals every game by the looks of it. Yeah, we're not going to be a clean sheet club this, this season. No, uh, or last season, but by the by. Um, you mentioned Edward teeing up for us, so I think it was going to be in the 90th, 93rd minute. He's got to bury it, hasn't he? One-on-one with the goalie. You know, the point is crying out for you to tuck it away and go up the road and, and regroup. And he's panicked, he's snapped at it, whatever he's done. He's 28, 29 years of age, James Forrest. He's got more medals than you can ever imagine for, for any regular footballer. And he just panics there. What's going on? He's bald it, you know. Um, he's, he's not 
feels strong enough um, mentally, and, he, and he's bottled it. He's made the goalie make a save, which is, I suppose, better than some of the stuff we've seen from before, which is you know, blasting it wide and all that kind of stuff. So that's something. But you know, uh, I put it this way: if it's a bad idea, to stay on the park, that's a goal. Yeah, or anyone else going to the. And I think I used those exact same words on Wednesday night. Mm. Yeah, so it's troubling. And that's your chance. Beyond that, so obviously we got a corner. Gordon makes a save from Forrest. We get a corner. It's a really decent header by Starfield. And just to rub salt in the wounds, Craig Gordon gets a, makes a brilliant save. And Andy Walker is loving it. Can't wait to see that's the difference and all that stuff. Andy Walker can ram it. He's an absolute pest of a guy. And he's, he's really enjoying this moment. And I know he's a Celtic fan and he's Celtic-minded. But there's a wee bit of told you so going on there, isn't there? I don't I don't know what Andy Walker's problem is. I mean, he, he doesn't sound like or behave like any Celtic fan I've ever met in my life. So, um, whether it was a fallout with Celtic on his exit or whatever it was, he's for me, he's, he's not a, a real Celtic fan because he loves that wee neb, wee wind-up. Um, on the Gordon situation, you know, nobody ever thought Gordon was a bad shot stopper. He's just bad at everything else, and he showed me that tonight. Mm-hmm. So, all this talk from Michael Stewart during, during the week that, you know, that's the mistake, you know, Celtic's letting Gordon go. I mean... Absolutely not. If Celtic were ever going to move forward as a club, that was a move get shot at him for a start. So, you know, there's absolutely zero regrets on Gordon leaving Celtic and the media will try and make bones out of that. It's not a thing. Yeah, you can see that being the headline. You can see somebody like Davy Proven, Namora, saying that was the difference, the goalkeeper, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But listen, it's a lot of revisionism because pretty much all of us, you know, as a fan base, agreed that Gordon's time was up at Celtic and he was second or third in the pecking order. And it, the problem is, it's not that we need Gordon back, it's that we should have replaced him better. It shouldn't have been oh, Barkas and Bain, it's just that we've got that wrong and now people are saying we shouldn't have let this guy go look at the difference. He had a, he had a really poor game. He's coming at yeah. Superman and missing crosses and doing all sorts of stuff and then he makes that save at the end and that makes the headline. But listen, as I say, you know, single-handedly Craig Gordon hasn't beat us tonight, uh, you know, Bobby Madden hasn't beaten us tonight and Andy Walker hasn't beaten us tonight. Celtic have caused their own problems. We're obviously recording this just now. We've not heard Andrew's uh, post-match comments, but they'll be really interesting. But where does he go from here? So another huge game on Thursday, Europa League qualifier. Where is he at? How does he pick things up? Is it all about the personnel, or is it is there things we can be doing better? You know, how, how does he how does he manage that? It's all about the personnel. That's that's the, the, the very phrase. Um, if we're going to continue to play this formation, this style of football without the personnel, we're going to lose matches. Um, I think there's a. It sounds. Quite, quite scathing but I think there's a naivety in that that we can, he thinks we can get away with that and we absolutely can't because when you've got Ralston at the right back uh, Taylor at left back and Bain or Barkas and goals and a striker who doesn't strike then it's not going to work so the personnel's got to change it's those, those four positions you get them changed and then we can see what we've got until we do that you know I can't judge this, this Celtic team this Celtic season I can't you know, forecast what's going to happen. So personnel, so it's not an Ange problem, it's a Don McKay problem, get it sorted this week. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's not Ange's team at this moment in time and obviously, you know, guys will bed in, Starfelt, Kyogo, Abada will continue to improve and hopefully we get those guys in that you mentioned. But at the moment, it's very hard to judge and it's, Ange clearly knows how he wants to play but it's very hard to do so with the, the personnel available to him. What we will have, uh, Paddy Miff and Sinclair recording this weekend, that show will be out on Monday. I'm sure they'll cover all of the above in more detail. But as it stands just now, we're one game in and we're playing catch-up already. But it's a long season ahead, plenty of time for Ange and the guys to get it right. But to do so, as mentioned, personnel needs to change. And as mentioned, over to Don McKay on that one. 
Final score, Hearts 2, Celtic 1. Next up on Thursday is Jablonek, and we'll see you for that one. Thanks for listening. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.